0: Hello and welcome to Not Couple Goals, the podcast where we talk about the best and, let's face it, the worst in romantic thriller cinema. I'm your co-host, Tyler McCarthy, joined by my other co-host...
1: Allie Nelson. And this episode, we have a seminal erotic thriller. That's right. I love when we do one of those. It is 1999's Eyes Wide Shut, sometimes referred to as Stanley Kubrick's final masterpiece. Did we agree... You will see. So it was directed by Stanley Kubrick, co-written by Stanley Kubrick and Frederick Raphael, inspired by Trom Novell, by author Schnitzler. I like the last name. Go, just rushing
0: headlong into these pronunciations. I'm so proud of you.
1: Famously stars Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in their last married role together. Who knows if they'll star together again? Probably not. Uh, and it also co-stars Todd Field, Sidney Pollack, and I'm also going to mention Alan Cumming, even though he has a very small
0: role. <laughs> okay. You know what? Sure. I and love him. Anyone who worked on this movie, when we get into the trivia, here, it was a grueling shoot, so they all deserve a little recognition.
1: But yeah, it's notorious Kubrick.
0: Before we dive into this Kubrickian nightmare, uh, consider this your spoiler alert. If you somehow haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut, take this opportunity, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come on back. <music> We're in. Okay, first of all, not Couple Goals fans, the diehard listeners uh, may notice some differences in our audio quality. That's because for the first time, Allie and I aren't recording together. Uh, she's in a different state right now at her family's house, and I'm in the, uh, in the usual studio. But none of that matters because we've actually got a really cool guest with us today that I'm excited to, to meet and talk about this movie with.
1: That's right. It's not, it's not always that we are actually meeting the person pretty much on air. We talked a little to him beforehand, but, well, you know, this is like if we're officially talking to him. So, our guest today, he chose this movie, so thank him. He is a film critic and podcaster. He writes for sites like WatchMojo and Film Threat. He has the podcast Underrated Movie Podcast. Love the name. He's got a very Shakespearean name. His name is Derek McDuff. <laughs> Welcome.
2: Thank you thank you guys thank you for having me i can always tell how cultured someone is by if they know my name as something from uh duff beer from the simpsons or as the guy who killed Macbeth. spoiler alert for 100 year play <laughs> yes
1: yeah, spoiler for Macbeth. yeah uh, I, mean, I would see it i guess i see it as both as a big simpsons fan as well yeah
2: there you go <laughs> a little column a little column b well thank you guys for having me though I- i'm excited to be here and you said you know, thank me for choosing it. I don't know. Maybe some people don't like it. Maybe they can blame me for, for picking this
0: well, movie. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Normally when we say, like, you can thank this person for picking the movie, it's because it was a real piece of garbage that we ended up having to watch. Now, this <laughs> movie, it's not good, but I wouldn't call it a piece of garbage. It's, it's watchable.
1: <laughs> like, it's, like, it had its ebbs and flows over the years. Like, I think when it came out... People were not like people were kind of rude about it because it had taken a notoriously long shoot. It was Stanley Kubrick's last completed film. It starred like the most famous couple in Hollywood at the time, so it had a lot of criticism. And then I feel like people kind of like came back around, and now a lot of people consider it to be like a, an actual masterpiece. So yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say it's bad. I think really? I think it's not a movie that Tyler would necessarily. <laughs>
0: Okay. Shots fired.
2: Hi, I'm Alex Marcus, podcasting director for thepopbreak.com. I'm Bill Bodkin, Pop Break's editor-in-chief. And I'm TV columnist Josh Sarnecki. And together, we host TV Break. Break! Whether you are looking for a free freewheeling discussion on the latest Disney Plus release, an update on the latest season of Bake Off, or what's happening in the tumultuous world of streaming,
0: stop on by the PopRate TV podcast feed on the first Monday of every month to
1: join in on the fun. Just didn't get his second line. I'm sorry, Josh.
2: Hi, this is Allison Lips from PopRake Goes to Washington. You may know me as the digital trends editor at PopRake and as a frequent guest on the Anniversary Brothers podcast. Every third Thursday of the month, join me and a guest as we break down various political movies from a pop culture perspective. You can find Pop Break Goes to Washington on the Pop Break Today feed, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>
1: all right, well,
0: look, before we get into the eyes wide shut of it all, before Ali and I have a weird uh, conversation about our marriage that leads to a just three day bender on my part. Uh, let's discuss, uh, Derek, I'm sure our listeners are curious. What is your overall relationship to the romantic thriller genre? Are you coming into this cold or are you a fan?
2: So, yeah, I'm a fan of the genre in general. You know, it's a genre that I feel like I I miss a little bit, you know, me being a a, a 90s kid, you know, I was born in 89. So I grew up with like during the golden age of just like romantic thrillers, just like all these sexy things and people in all these crazy situations and I, I i love that you know so i i love to sink my teeth into any movies like this i don't even know that this one is technically a romantic film i guess it is but it's 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 I, I love thrillers just in general it's absolutely one of my favorite movies um i like horror movies but i've always like leaned more to a to thrillers and when you add the add the romance the thriller it's like you're getting the best of both worlds you're getting the sugar and the spice you
0: know <laughs> i love that i love that it's been a while since we've had like a true fan of the genre on here and you're right yeah, like yeah you... most of
1: the people are like i guess i've, I've seen a few <laughs>
0: <laughs> whereas this is like you you hit the nail on the head like 89 i'm 91 like that was just the heyday of just these cuckoo bananas movies coming out where
1: bring michael douglas for some reason yes, <laughs>
0: yes sexiest man alive, Michael <laughs> Douglas. He's either, he's either going to fuck you or ask you three questions to let you cross his bridge. That's my joke about Michael Douglas.
2: <laughs> Sometimes both, maybe. Who Sometimes knows? Sometimes both. Yeah.
0: Um, so now let's go to Eyes Wide Shut. You picked this movie. You were like excited to pick this movie as much as I could tell via your email. You seemed eager to hit this one. And uh, I'm curious, like what, what is what was your experience? When did you first see this and what made you want to pick it?
2: So my experience is not that long. In fact, I actually just watched this movie for the first time about a month ago, maybe even a little less, because I was like, I know this is kind of a Christmas movie, so it was Christmas time, and I was like, I was watching, like, ironically, I also watched Carol, uh, directed by one of the, randomly, like, there's directors starring in this movie, but Todd Fields directed Carol, uh, who you mentioned being in this, and so then I watched that, I watched this, I watched a lot of the kind of more obscure Christmas movies that like people like might not even consider Christmas movies. And this was one of them. And I was, I watched it and I was like, I was like, I I think this is, I I had the reaction. I was like, I think this is a masterpiece, but I got to think about it. I got to really. And I was, I've been dissecting it in my brain since watching it. And when you guys sent me that list of like all these, and I was like scrolling down the list. There's like some movies that I like legitimately, like I'm very familiar with and have seen multiple times over the years that I really love. But I was like, "This movie's been on my brain for the past few weeks. <laughs> I have to go and talk about this with someone." So the, I was like, "All right, let's go. Let's see if these guys agree with me." Like, I don't. I I think it's brilliant, but I don't even know why. And I would love to <laughs> dissect it and get into it and try and figure out if I'm wrong or if I'm crazy or if maybe there's something I can
0: mine out of this one. I love that. I love that goal, and I'm excited. To, I'm excited to figure that out with you because I'm in the same boat. There, there's, there's something so watchable about this. Even though if I were to like run it through my filter of like things that I think make a good movie, does not come close. That said, like it was, yeah, I've been obsessed with it too. I only watched it about 24 hours ago, but it's been top of my mind that full 24 hours. Um, Allie, before we get too far into it, what was your first experience seeing Eyes Wide Shut?
1: So when Eyes Wide Shut came out, I was, like, very into Tom Cruise just, like, as, like, an attractive man. Like, he had not, like, jumped on the couch or done any weird shit, and I was very young, and he just happened to be very handsome. So I was, like, really into, like, his handsomeness, and I was quite young, so I was not allowed to see the movie, and I remember being, like... Come on. Because, like, my parents would show me R-rated movies from the time I was, like, four. So I was, like, we can watch this one. And my parents were very much, like, that is not one we're making an exception for. (laughs) Okay. So I think I was, like, 22 when I finally watched it. I don't know why I waited so long because I didn't really want to watch it. But at that point, certain things, like the weird masquerade orgy and stuff, had already, like, become into, like, the pop culture lexicon. So, I, I guess I deemed myself old enough at 22 and I was still like quite innocent. So I remember watching it and being like, Oh my, when I, when it, we hit that point, like the orgy, I was like, Oh my. And <laughs> Tyler yesterday, in my mind, the movie ended directly after that. In reality, there's like another hour and 16 minutes, but I think that's where my brain like sure circuited. I was like, well, this is the climax of the movie. I can't, I can't imagine anything else. And my brain just didn't remember anything further. So that, yeah, I mean, I guess I think I really just, I knew the, uh, the trailer with, like, Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing, and, like, them making out in the mirror, and then I knew from just hearing people talk about it about the orgy, but I didn't really know how all of that fit together. And I don't, I don't think I know that now super well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I laughed so hard when you texted me last night, like, oh, yeah, I thought this movie ended right after the orgy, and I was like, if only. There's so much more movie left.
1: (laughs) But I guess I also knew, like, because of the time that I watched it, it's, like, notorious for being, like, right at the end of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's marriage.
2: Yeah, this is just a documentary of the breakup of their marriage, right? Like,
0: Cooper just was
2: like, and I'm just going to shoot this.
1: Did he pause it? Like, who knows? No, guys,
0: when we get into the trivia, I will tell you, but... Kubrick 100% caused this. <laughs> we'll get into it. For me, yeah, I, 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 like you, Derek, saw this movie for the first time for this recording. Or I guess you didn't see it for this recording, but the recording is because you saw it for the first time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I watched it for this. I'd known about like the stuff that made its way into the lexicon, like the masquerade orgy, and like that's about it. Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise's uh, then-doomed marriage, that kind of stuff. But that's really all I knew about it. In terms of like the plot... That I just felt like the whatever the plot of Eyes Wide Shut is, it's just like it's just this thing that has to weave between the traffic cones of you know masquerade orgy, Nicole Kidman, Scientology, like all of this stuff. So I was interested to dive into it and see what the actual movie behind all of that was. And I guess we can get into it, or I guess um, for the listener, uh, Ali should give us a brief recap of what the movie was actually about. Uh, so yeah good luck That's, this, is, this is my favorite part I love it when she gets to do this but Allie give, give people who may need a refresher course on Eyes Wide Shut their refresher course
1: so we've got Dr. Tom Cruise and his wife Nicole Kidman who's I think an unemployed art gallery curator gallerist whatever that that rich lady job anyway they we begin the movie with them at a rich person's party They both separate to flirt with other people, like really overtly flirt with other people. They get back together. They have some sexy time in the mirror. And then later on, they're smoking some pot. They, instead of having sexy time, which is where it seems like it's headed, it does not, it turns very not sexy. They get into a big fight when Nicole Kidman reveals that she's had thoughts about cheating on Tom Cruise and just like dumping their whole marriage. They have a kid, very cute kid, and like leaving the whole thing when she saw this like sexy naval officer and she fantasized about leaving everything for this man who they just exchanged a glance. That causes Tom Cruise to go pretty baddie and have a very weird night where everybody wants to fuck him at a certain point in this movie. Like the two ladies at the beginning wanna fuck him. He goes to, he gets a house call, goes, this lady's dad dies, she wants to fuck him. Like they end up going, he ends up somehow going to meet his friend who's a pianist and then ends up going to the masquerade orgy where they don't want to fuck him. They seem very angry about (laughs) it. Uh, They're angry. They wanted the opposite of, uh, they want to fuck him up. They want to like kill him. And then that kind of leads to some weird intrigue. And a very strange conversation with Alan Cumming at a certain point. So that's basically like after the orgy, he has to kind of trace back like what was that orgy and what was the result of it? Because I think some people are dead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 100 percent. Yes. I love that you covered that like he he spends that night. He wants to have an affair, basically. And I wrote in my notes like Tom Cruise's character, fantastic opener shitty closer this guy no one should cheat on their wife but certainly no one should have this much difficulty cheating on their wife he, this guy is stepping on rakes left and right
1: yeah it's insane with the of people that attempt to seduce him and he just keeps getting like you know like even with a hooker he ends up like striking out because that's his that was his. it was a self-strike out like kind of his wife but kind of him
2: but like, good call on that because he probably would have gotten AIDS. If yeah. He
0: hooked up with yeah.
2: that Like, there's a lot. Like, you like hit the points. Like, it's like one of those movies that's like hard to sum. It's like this insane Russian nesting doll of a plot <laughs> where like he goes through all these motions and then it leads up to like like you were saying, Tyler. What I thought was the movie, which is twenty minutes of a two and a half hour, two hour forty minute movie, which is the origin. I thought that was just, like the whole thing. And Nicole Kidman and him were just going to be like, ah, I guess we're a married, boring couple that gets into an orgy. But, like, it's just, like, the, the the tiny little doll at the middle of this thing. And then he has to go back through all the layers, doing it all in reverse and trying to figure out, like, what happened. And then at the end, he's just kind of like, he gets that explanation. But it's like, was that even the truth? Like, it's, it's yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and it was- it's like It is so confusing because it's just like, how he, he has the weirdest, like, three days of, like, it, it happens so often in movies, but I will say, like, I think he's, like, top three weirdest three days of, like, anyone in movies. It's, like, fancy party, two ladies want to fuck him at the party, he smokes pot with his wife thinking he's in for a good time, and she just, like, unloads on him instead, and then he he goes through, like, a weird... this lady I met three times whose dad is dead next to us in this bed just telling me she's in love with me. Like, (laughs) the night is so weird.
0: (laughs) And it's on a night where he's like, like, he's feeling insecure in his marriage because Nicole Kidman, like, it's almost a misnomer to say Nicole Kidman confessed to him that she's fantasized about other men. She confessed to one very specific Mm. fantasy she had. And it like coincided with a night between them that was very, like, romantic, I guess. And he, like you said, goes so bad. He's so off the rails.
2: He loses his mind. He He's couldn't. like, I'm not a jealous person. And then he becomes the most jealous human being to ever exist.
1: And it's also, he, he talks about, like, he has such, like, a 90s view of women and sex. Like, yes. it's, like, right before, like, sex. It's, like, the same year that, like, Sex in the City comes out and everything. And, like, men are like, oh, women think about sex, where she's say, like he's saying i trust you like that's why i don't have to be jealous and he's like women just don't think about sex like that and it's like well, how the fuck do you know Ask- yeah,
2: he's <laughs> telling her that's so good and like yeah. he said it's like it comes at 99 which is like the it's like the perfect capper to the 90s this was like this great year of cinema that completely summed up the 90s it was like movies like this and the matrix and fight club were coming out and they were just like we're just gonna like show toxic masculinity and how like the going into this new millennium like everything has changed and all these paradigms that we used to believe in for the last thousand years are just getting thrown out I, i fucking love it
0: me too i loved it and that whole scene the scene that arguably sets all of this into motion it starts with her being high and he says she she says to him like oh yeah that guy at the party he wanted he wanted to have sex with me and he goes oh well that's, you know, that makes sense. And she's like, oh, so the only reason a man would talk to me is if he wants to have sex with me. And rather than say, not the only reason, but because you're so beautiful, of course, that that's a factor or something like that. Or
1: say to her, that's- he, he says, because you're a really beautiful woman and she gets mad that that is the only reason right. that a man want to have sex this with. Hot is making you aggressive.
0: Yes!
1: But I'll say this: He's not
0: wrong. She's really trying <laughs> hard to pick a fight there.
1: She she tries so hard to pick a fight, like, and she's like, "Oh, the only reason a man would want to fuck me is because I'm beautiful." And it's like, to be fair, like that would be the first reason, like he approached <laughs> you because he doesn't know you. He sees you, yeah, incredibly beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> Come on that's <laughs> why I'm on his side of being like what's what is happening here until he tells her like women just don't think about sex yeah. like that and it's like okay now you've lost me your wife is free to like laugh at you and like tell you this horrible confession
0: I'm so sorry The the smart home thing just went rogue there for a second I'm so sorry let's cover up your audio um yeah sorry that was very distracting but yes she they she has that hit of paw and she just gets very aggressive and then just can't not, just hurling herself toward this confession about the naval officer on a trip that they had a while back. And I I I, I don't get what led to, like, what, to, do you think in that moment Tom Cruise was just like, I have to have sex with someone? Or like, what was he going out on the town looking to do that night? Because I can't tell if he was just like, off kilter, and women happened to be throwing themselves at him, or he was looking for... An affair, and just couldn't close. And do we think he? Do we think he cheated on her before this?
2: I don't think he cheated on her before this. I think I don't think he was like necessarily like I need to go get laid. But I think it was like he because as you see, he keeps like having the flashes of like imagining them, and then he's like, "Well, if she could leave me, then I could do it to her." And then you know, so he because he doesn't take that that first opportunity he gets to like. Sleep with the um, the the you know the patient's right. daughter, or whatever. Um,
0: in and, his defense, it, there's a body in the room.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "I've met you three times. We just talked about your dad, who's dead now." Uh, and then, but he, you know, he and he almost hooks up with the, the hooker. He's like, "It seems like he's." But then he's like, "He's like so down for like, oh, I can I can have this crazy dream scenario." Like, orgy thing. He's, I think, so I think, you know, I mean, as someone who maybe has a little bit of like jealousy that I'm not proud of, like, you know, when you, you do get like those intrusive bad thoughts, you're like, oh, well, if, you know, my ex is out there, then I've got to go hook up with somebody. I've got to like get on OKCupid or whatever, you know, it's, it's, and it's, it's not good, but like, it's, I can understand that mindset. And he just takes it like way too far, I think, to the point where he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to this thing. And uh, we didn't even talk about, the the person who he like saves at the party who then like sa- like sacrifices herself to save oh him yeah at the orgy and and she died and who we are led to believe is the same person and everything in the movie tells you that it's the same person but it's different actresses like in body and I might be stepping on your trivia so I'm sorry no but go ahead the voice is Kate Blanchett uncredited which is like what the fuck it's like that's that's the Stanley Kubrick shit that I love right yeah it's like I love 2001 because you just watch the end and you're like a baby in space colors what did it mean I don't know and when it's very clear and dry and spelled out I, I that's not the Kubrick I'm down for the Kubrick that I'm down <laughs> for is just like what was who was that is what's it the secret society like like, who was there? Like, what was even happening? Did Sandy Pollock's or Sidney Pollock's uh, explanation make any sense? Maybe, maybe not. Like, I, I, because I, I really enjoy movies that are not completely experimental, but movies that, like, are grounded, but leave you with a lot of questions, leave you with a lot of ambiguity. And this is in that, like, something like The Green Knight is when I always bring up. This is in that, right, that sweet spot for me
0: yeah and it's it's also fascinating that he's okay with like two different actresses, a different voice actress, and all of that because he's so, like the, the whole reason this movie was such a grueling shoot was that it took forever because he's such a perfectionist, every book on the shelf, every bottle in uh the billiards room where that like rich guy is explaining to him how fucked he is. All of that was meticulously curated by Stanley Kubrick. And you're telling me that there's a moment where someone comes in and says, oh, we're going to have to use a different actress for this. And he's like, damn it, man, I don't care.
1: The original actress is in that scene. She's just not playing the (laughs) same I don't know why. Wait, really? Yeah. I don't know why he was like, hey, she's willing to appear nude, so I'll just have her in the background instead of having her play the same character. It doesn't make sense.
2: I think he just did it to fuck with us. You know, like, I think, <laughs> I think, like I don't even know if Kubrick has the answers. I don't think he does. Uh, I mean, there is answers two thousand one kind of if you read the book, but I really think it's just like yeah, whatever your interpretation is, man. Like I think that's what it is.
1: That is the ambiguity of like, is it her from the from the first party? But at the same time, it's like. I mean, yeah, like she's she's got the same hair and general body type, and then like we see her in the morgue, so it's like you're supposed to. It's so weird. Well,
0: to to yeah. be fair, in in this in the in the in the eyes of this movie, literally every woman on earth looks the same. It is <laughs> even nude in masks. It is the same woman every single time. I do yeah. think it'd be funny if I like. I'm just picturing like among like Stanley Kubrick's effects. It's just a little post-it note attached to the Eyes Wide Shut, like, casting list or something like that that says, Trick, Tyler, Allie, and Derek. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just
2: like, we'll get these guys. And then, like, of course he, like, famously dies before this movie comes out. He, like, shows a test screening to, like, the executives... And then, like, dies like six days later or something like that. So it's like the thing is like, was making this movie and going for this long sustaining him, and once he was done, he's like, cool, peace out. Or was this the thing that killed him? It's yeah. like the same thing. It's the same thing as the question about their marriage. It's like, was this all that was keeping Tom and Nicole together because their relationship doesn't seem great in retrospect? Or did like going through this was just, just like the final? It it's it, the movie itself, the meta commentary on it is just as insane as the movie
0: itself yeah i i didn't this i didn't this part didn't make it into the trivia but i'll say it now like tom cruise got an ulcer from the stress of working on this movie <gasps> and just didn't want to tell his director so he just kept it to himself like that's the environment we're showing up to work with every day so like yeah he died of a heart attack right yeah i, I think so yeah doesn't and, and seem unrelated <laughs>
2: And there's a, I think there's a quote, I think it was Ruffalo who said, Mark Ruffalo who said this, um, I might be wrong, but uh, he said that uh, Stanley Kubrick makes David Fincher look like the guy who's checking you out at McDonald's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I mean, you watch this movie and every frame is so meticulously, uh, like, just done, and we'll get into some of the trivia too, of just like, in order to make this look like New York, and all of that, it's it's insane, the lengths that were taken. But my no. big...
1: Like, just, I understand he's afraid of flying, but, like, take a boat. I don't know, man. Like, just film in New York. Here's the thing. Uh,
0: I did a little digging into the original novella that this is based on, and, like, I won't get too into it. It's actually a pretty faithful adaptation, but for the fact that it does not take place in New York, there is no reason this couldn't take place in the UK where it was filmed. He just wanted it to be New York. Just...
1: As just an aside, like, Nicole Kidman's, like, a fantastic actress, like, very decorated. I do enjoy her performances. In the beginning, the first scene, she is full Australian. Like, (laughs) like, oh, she's Australian in this movie. And then she has a line literally where she's, like, American. And I'm like... You weren't in the first scene. Like, you could not have been more like, good day. I'm going to put on my dress. Like, it was like the worst American accent for somebody who does a fantastic American accent in like every other movie and scene in the movie. She does a better job.
0: Meanwhile, I'm learning my wife can do a dynamite Australian accent. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Driss. Well done. Proud of you. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And I'm, it's also, I think i like, I like, I can't find it in my notes, but I did write, it's like honestly like a full 25 minutes into this movie before Nicole Kidman has a line that is not intoxicated and sleepy. It's her whole character is just, she goes from being wasted at the party flirting with that guy to silently having sex with Tom Cruise to being like high on marijuana. And then finally it's that like phone call in the kitchen. Where she's just like very like stiff and is like calls him and basically like ruins his time with the prostitute. That is the you, first
1: the narc. You were like high on marijuana. <laughs> I watch all
0: movies like a like a high school narc. You know this she's about me.
1: She's smoking a cigarette too, so she's like never without like a vice.
0: No.
2: Yeah. I, I was just gonna see. Yeah, she just like calls him. Just like he's about to like hook up with a hooker, and he's like imagining like she's like oh like fucking this navy guy and she's just like watching like journey to italy or some shit on the tv it's
0: i i it's in the trivia that the specific film was like what she's watching on tv is specific the director picked it like all that stuff but like i i can't remember the title of it
1: yeah i mean it's gotta be deliberate (laughs) didn't it star like one of the other stars of the movie or something it was like do like self-referential stuff throughout i know
0: but that was her first scene where she's just, like, sober and speaking like a normal person. And, I mean, I get we see glimpses of her life where she's just, like, not satisfied. She's just, like, but it's also, it's hard to watch because it's, like, you are wealthy. You do live in this amazing apartment. You have all this time on your hands and stuff like that. I'm sorry if you're a little bored.
2: <laughs> well, I think it's really interesting. Uh, sorry, were you going to say something, Ali?
1: No, I was going to say, I feel like it's just a lot of the movie is that they're bored. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, honestly, and um, I, I think, you know, well, I'll, I'll go with that, because, like, I think that the th- whole thing that with Tom Cruise and her is they're, like, both these, like, they're these high society people. Like, he's a doctor, so he can just get into anywhere. And it's, like, right the way he's just, like, I'm a doctor, and he just shows, like, his card, like, it's a badge, like he's a cop or something. He's, like, yes, yes I'm a doctor. Dr. Bill reporting for duty. And, like, it's just the way he does that. And he can get in anywhere using this social clout. Throughout the whole movie and he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing until he really cannot be somewhere. Like he's like yeah. he's like the upper echelon, like he's like he's like upper class, but then he gets to like the top one percent of like the top one percent and they're like, You have like you are Icarus right now. You have flown way too close to the sun. And I love the line where they're like, Yeah, everyone they're like, he's like, How did you know? blah blah blah, and it's like, well, this and this and this, but also like everyone else showed up in a limo and you took a cab. There's like rich and there's like fuck you rich like the yeah. way that like like yeah I'll just like cause he's spending money left and right he's like yeah keep the change you know keep the 150 to the hooker and that's like ninety ninety nine money that's not you know and then he tears up 100 and gives it to the cabbie and but it's like everyone else is just like on this other like crazy echelon and it just kind of like I, I think it's really an interesting commentary on and I think maybe that's why it had to be said in New York is it's like it feels very American where it's like yeah this is this society where it's like you can like you know Quote unquote, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and live this American dream. But sure, you're never going to be the, the elites, no matter if you become a doctor or like whatever. Like, there is just this other society that, for all we know, could be doing crazy masked orgies with Cape Blanchett voices. You know, <laughs> we we don't know. No one will, none of us will ever get to that level.
1: It's a- I kind of wish that when they were questioning him, like, about the second passcode, that he tried to pull out that, like, board-certified, I'm a board-certified doctor. <laughs> i like, a fifth time in the movie to be like, well, the Dr. Bill Harford, he, as you can see, I'm a board-certified doctor.
0: <laughs> it It is interesting you bring up the whole, like, you know, the, the American dream and chasing this elite status, because I do remember the whole time thinking, like, Tom Cruise is like, rich beyond my wildest dreams. You know what I mean? Like, he's got everything I would want. Spacious apartment he wants for nothing. Comfortable life with his kid. And then he does, he he covets this extra tier of elitism. But then you actually get there and you lay eyes on it, and it's like like chanting in another language. It's burning incense like they used to do in my Catholic church at a funeral. It's like such, it's so much weird shit. There's clearly like societal rules. Like she stands up and she says like, I will take his punishment. And they're like, well, you know what that means? Like per our bylaws or whatever. And it's like, at what point-
1: save you from this.
0: Exactly. At what point does Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds kick the door and scream nerds and just start collecting lunch money? This is a stupid thing for bored rich people to do. And And it's like... like, They're not even having fun. Yeah. Why are you 69ing with masks on? It doesn't make sense. Exactly. (laughs) There's so much 69ing and kissing and they've all got masks on. It's this ritual.
1: So bored. Like I was thinking like I wouldn't want to be one of the people having sex because it's like it doesn't seem like anyone's enjoying watching you, and I'm so insecure that I would be like, "Are you guys enjoying this? Like, pay <laughs> like, attention to what you're doing, because it's like you'd be like, I think that I think I I think they don't like it. I think it's boring. I'm just
0: sweaty, naked, looking at my partner, and then looking around the room, being like, so do people not clap, or is it me? Are they not clapping <laughs> for me? Is this <laughs> my and,
1: fault? Tell some encouragement, like like hoot and holler. Like, no, everyone, the people having sex are silent. Everyone in the room is silent, and they all look. They- like bored they're like hanging on like the couch like uh whatever like what's on the TV like they don't seem
0: into it it's so weird and if I'm Tom Cruise I, like what you're put, put yourself in Tom Cruise's position there well, what do you do? Do you join in? Do you stand there watching? Like, what do you do? He just sort of navigated it like it was a haunted house, and he was just seeing, like, how <laughs> deep he could get, having no res- no spatial awareness at all. The amount of times in that scene where he just, like, stood in front of people who were clearly watching blew my mind. But I also was sitting there thinking, like, what would I do? Like, there's no empty space to, like, sit. Like, what what do you do?
1: It <laughs> reminded me of, like, Sleep No More, like another shape. Yeah. Day- it's like it's like you in, in sleep no more, you you wear a, a weird orgy mask and then you f- walk around the silent ballet of Macbeth from room to room and there's no place for you to sit. You just like follow the different uh, dancers dancing different scenes. And I, I wonder if they kind of took some of that from, Eyes wide shut because there is that like quality of the masks and the silence and everything. Wait, the guy
0: the guy who like rats him out, like the creepy guy on top who like stares directly at him with that woman. Yeah. The, the mask that guy is wearing is the Sleep No More mask. Listener, if you're unfamiliar with Sleep No More, it is an attraction in New York City. Unfortunately, it's closing soon. But they give guests a mask like this. And then, yes, you walk through this old warehouse where, room to room, a silent ballet of Macbeth is taking place. And you kind of just walk around and, like, see it unfold. It's very, it's it's brilliant. It's closing soon. See it before it's gone. Um, but that's the, the mask that that guy is wearing is the mask that they give all the customers at Sleep No More.
1: But that's, I mean, that's how he treated it, was that he was like, I guess I'll see, I'll and I mean, I guess that's how I would have done it too, like, what's, what's happening in this room? Okay, I had enough of that, I guess I'll go and see what's happening in the next <laughs> room.
2: Which is, honestly, how I, like, go to, like, New Year's party I went to, it was just like, cool, like, who's, who's out here in the, the room watching the ball, and okay, who's over here in the garage with the drinks, and all right, let me check out the backyard, and all right, cool, who's in the, like, you know, I just gotta make my way through parties, and like, like mingled and stuff like that, but it's a different vibe in this one, you know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but you, you're right. You go to a party, you check all the rooms, and then you double back to whichever vibe was the best. But in this giant mansion, the vibe was the same all around. <laughs> it's
1: like you when you're wandering around for a conversation that you can join, and he like is at the like nightmare party where like every conversation is like, well, I guess I can't join this one, and he's like, I oh, guess I can't jo-. It's like that sort of nightmare, but everyone's having weird silent sex and masks. Yeah. Okay, And someone
2: is also telling you if you don't leave you will die
1: yeah, She tells him that like four
0: times yeah. And he's still like I don't know what I, like I don't know what he thinks is going to happen but he's kind of a shy guy he's like on the fence about cheating on his partner and all of that and someone comes up and says like if you don't leave you'll die and he's sort of like I don't know what you mean like dude <laughs> leave You're... She
1: also says like I might die yeah. <laughs> Right
0: You're... You're paying out the ass for a cab. There is nothing for you here, man. Go home. It's insane. Now, we talked a little bit about, like, having conversations in this movie and all that. And, like, the, the shoot, the length, how meticulous everything was. And one thing I noticed that drove me nuts is I believe you could cut a solid 30 minutes of this movie if you just took a pass at the script and every time someone just, like, repeated a line... Just take that out. Like, Ali, say anything to me, and I will respond in the form of this movie.
1: How are you doing?
0: Huh. How am I doing? it's every line they just repeat and then pause and then like kick it back to the other person for dialogue it's what you do if you're stalling in an improv scene and they do it throughout the whole movie she's like let's go somewhere private somewhere private oh is that your wife is that my wife like they just keep repeating it and you could shave i believe 30 minutes off this movie if you just did a find and replace in the script for all of those
2: see i kind of like that honestly i kind of like the weird vibes and like because i like how repetitive it was and how like you know, they have that, like I said, the middle Russian doll and then everything is mirrored on the other side. And it also ties in with what you were saying earlier about how at the beginning, Nicole Kidman is just like intoxicated and she's high. And, and you know, she has that drawn out way of speaking. And I'm <laughs> like, people at the time gave her shit, but I was like, that's so good. Like, she's just like, it's Oscar worthy for me. And you have her, like, in the front half like that. And then when you – and she – and, you know, her kind of part at the beginning ends with her, like, laughing at him and, like, being, like, tells this story. And then after he goes through this whole experience, comes out the other side, she's stone-cold sober. It's in the cold light of day. Like, with, I, by the way, a little aside – love the like lighting in that where it's like the blue morning light and it's i love movies that are shot with like natural or available lighting like so much of this movie is like they just lit this shit with like christmas lights and stuff like that phenomenal anyway though like so like she she like wakes up and she tells him a sit like you know her dream and instead of being like haha i was gonna fuck this guy it's like oh i was fucking this guy and it like ruined everything like my life and then he goes through reverse like like repeating all these things and now all these things that were just kind of like what's on the other side of the rainbow they kept bringing out the rainbow you know there's all that imagery it's like now he's experienced what was hiding there and he's kind of like dealing with the fallout of his actions and like the reality of like yeah this was this crazy thing and he has to go back and retrace his steps and all of that leads to one of the greatest final lines in movie history. <laughs> like, what do we do now? And it's like, what can you do in this situation? Except, fuck. You know, it's yep. so good.
1: And it's the <laughs> final line in any Stanley Kubrick movie ever. Yes. <laughs> I didn't like, think of about... a... Like, it, how,
2: how, it's perfect. Like, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, like, final films recently since I watched The Boy in the Heron, which in all likelihood will be Hayao Miyazaki's last film. And, I'm like, is that the perfect cap to a trilogy? or to a filmmaker's, um, you know, uh, history, all his filmography. And I think that this might be the perfect cap to a filmography of Stanley Kubrick. And that line, where she says we should fuck as soon as possible, is just like, yep, that's Kubrick, man. That's like, like, you know,
0: to a T. It's the punchline to the overall joke that is this movie. It starts, it starts with her being like, flirting with this guy so overtly and then she her and tom cruise catch each other's eye briefly at the party and he sees or she sees him with these two women they get home they fuck and then the next like day she's asking him like hey were you jealous to see me with that guy and he's like no i'm not jealous i've never been jealous i trust you no big deal so then she makes him jealous and Doesn't know that she's made him jealous. He goes on this whirlwind adventure that we, the audience, are there for. And then he confesses everything, like, tearfully. Like, he's just been so stressed out. And we watch. And then her reaction is just like, oh, so you do get jealous. (laughs) And she's into it. And she's into it.
1: To be fair, she's pretty devastated. She's clearly been crying after the conversation in the morning light. And they're in a really awkward place. And then they have to take their kid Christmas shopping. And she like is tearful still with those last few lines. Like she kind of like breaks a little bit. Like I actually thought she did a really great job with those last few lines where she's about to cry. And then she goes back and forth. And then they both kind of just recommit themselves to the relationship and sort of say like, you know, like shit like this is going to potentially happen. But what's important is that we don't give into it. Like it's us. And then says like we have to do something as soon as possible, and then the last line is just fuck.
0: Yes, Admi- um, admittedly, there are layers to every line that Nicole Kidman reads in this movie. She's fantastic in this movie,
1: but I don't think Tom Cruise is genuinely fantastic too. Like that, I the repeating thing that he does, I think he actually does something with it because so often he's so in the surreal thing, so it's so surreal, so he repeats what the person says to me says to him because it's such a weird situation that he's in so he's like a lot of the time being like are you fucking serious but he says that with the re- repetition
0: true. it's not just Cruz though and it's it's, it's a, the script across the board so many characters do that but yes you're right it's he's in this surreal state and all of that that it makes sense that he would be questioning his his reality a few times but
1: was it frustrating for anyone else that he would not admit that he he wasn't going to, but he probably wasn't going to have sex with those two women at the beginning. But he would not admit that he would like to if the situation was different and he was a single man being propositioned by two gorgeous models. He kept being like, "No, no, like, no, like, I wouldn't do that." And it's like, "Yes, just say like, yeah, I was like into it, but I wasn't going to do it. Like, what's wrong with that?"
2: Right? Yeah, like he says some line where she's like. Like, he said, like, he's like, oh, she's like, oh, you're the exception. What makes you so, such an exception? He's like, well, I'm in love with you, so I wouldn't have sex. And she's like, so the only reason you wouldn't fuck them is because, and she's like, ah, well, I don't know. No,
0: I wrote that line down. She says, oh, so the only reason you wouldn't fuck them is out of consideration for me? And it's like, yeah, that that's a pretty good
1: fucking reason. <laughs> yeah. Two gorgeous women were making it very clear they wanted to have a threesome with him. And the only reason he you would imagine most people would turn that down is if they were married.
0: Yeah, like, Ali, we're married. I don't mind telling you if, if we weren't married and I didn't know you and two gorgeous women were asking me to have sex, I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, think, I, I think you can hear that as an adult.
1: I don't know, and that's also why I was frustrated with Nicole Kidman, too, in that moment where it's like, what what do you want him to say? Like, are you going to be mad at him that, like, if somebody was like, hey, do you want this delicious cake? That he would be like, yes.
0: That was the moment where he was finally like, the pot's making you a little aggressive. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love that that leads them all to, like, you know, where they come back to at the end, of they're having that discussion, you know, after she's cried and everything. And he's just like, all right. Like, he says something like, but, like, you know, forever. And then she's like, that word scares me. And you're like, okay, cool. So they've like come to an understand. Like he thinks like he still, he gets it, but like, he still is just like, okay, cool. I went through this crazy journey and now I'm going to be with her forever. And she's like, we're going to do the best we can. And then like cut up five months later, they actually get a divorce. She's like, that was like too real. That was not even acting. That was just, yeah. Them talking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I noted that, that was one of the things that left me perplexed. Cause I was like, I don't, I didn't understand, I know that a lot of this movie is like a journey of like figuring out monogamy and like the fact that just because you're in a a monogamous relationship does not mean that you're you're turned off by the world. Like you're going to have attractions to other people, but it's how you navigate that and how you commit yourself that's like, you know, a lot of the the movie is talking about that. And then there's an orgy that I don't understand how that fits in the same narrative, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll talk about that, I guess, differently. But then to get back to where he's like, "We'll be together forever," and she's like, mm, "Forever scares me." It's like I don't get where that fits in in the journey. Like, I don't, I don't need that pair of lines because it's, it's so confusing to me.
0: Oh, see that. See, I read that as like, <clears throat> it's. It'd be easy to read this movie as like, and then they lived happily ever after. They went through this road of trials and then it brought them closer together. It made their relationship stronger than ever, which is, you know, we're conditioned by a lot of decades of movies to believe, yeah, that's what a happy ending looks like. But in this, I feel like that's their way of saying that like this did not bring them closer together. It just brought them to a better understanding of each other. And that better understanding does not necessarily mean monogamy forever. I feel like that's leaving the room... Like, not not leaving open for a sequel, but leaving open the idea of, like, this will happen again. Like, I'm going to catch the wrong like eye at an elevator again. You're going to get jealous again. Like, this will keep happening to us. And navigating that is kind of going to be our thing. Uh, not, like, this didn't give us any special bond that's going to make it so that we're together forever. We're probably going to fail at one of these trials. Maybe the next one, maybe the one after that
2: yeah and they I, I think that's a good read and i think it's like at the end they're like we can be honest with each other because they clearly were not at the beginning um and the one time nicole kidman is honest with them it sparks him going insane uh and now they're like yeah you know what maybe we won't like you know and i you know i've definitely been in relationships where like yeah this is gonna last forever and then it's like Two two months later, it's like no, nope, we broke up, you know. So I mean, it's like it's like yeah. Sometimes it's like you know, just don't hedge your bets a little bit. I get it. You yeah.
0: Know? This is gonna last forever is something that someone who is with the person they're gonna be with until they die says, or someone who's about to break up says. Right. <laughs> but I guess overall, one one of the things, especially with this genre. One of the things I always find myself asking after every movie is like, what was the writer trying to say? And at least in this movie, I do get that. I do get there was an, there was a big swing at the concept of monogamy at the concept of two people being honest with each other and reaching these kind of understandings. Um, So for that, like it gets high marks. I think what, what really made it a bit of a slog for me to get through was one, the length. um, And two, there were just a lot of like, there's, there is a straighter line through this story. Uh, I think there's like fat to be trimmed here, but I know that's controversial because if it were up to me, a lot of movies would be like 30 minutes long. But if your story is only 30 minutes long, that's how long your story should be in my opinion. But that's, I'm aware I'm in the minority there.
1: Yeah. Like I don't quite get where like the orgy is obviously where like if the movie becomes a thriller and like, there's like a whole secret society and they're threatening him and there's like elements of like the game and like all of these like other weird cults movies and stuff. But I don't quite get what that part at where the, the marriage is between the, the uh, not the like depiction of monogamy and the orgy thriller. Like I don't quite get how they fit together in the narrative. And that's, I think what left me the most perplexed about the movie
2: Yeah, there's a lot about this movie that I'm just like, that I don't really fully understand, even like having watched it twice in the past, you know, couple weeks. And I I do feel like watching it again, preparing for this podcast, like, especially that first half, I'm like, okay, okay, I think I, I get this a little better now. But I'm still just like, I think it's supposed to be impenetrable on some level, and not in. A way that bothers me because sometimes I'm just when a filmmaker is just like look at this you don't even understand and there's you know like I liked Bo was afraid but I'm just like when you know Ari Aster comes out he's like there's so many easter eggs that no one's got I'm just kind of like fuck off guy you know <laughs> but when it's just like but it just makes it it's just like very much your own interpretation you can take it a number of different ways uh I think that's really smart filmmaking
0: I agree and I I can't explain what the, the orgy sequence has to do with this larger narrative. But I will say, it did seem like, and in doing a little bit of the research uh, for the trivia portion, there is there was an element of getting kind of biblical with it. Obviously, there's the overt things like the robes they're wearing, the incense, the chanting that they're doing, the kneeling, all of that stuff. But then when he's found out and he's lured to that room, the, the really creepy shot where just everyone turns and looks at him, which is...
1: My nightmare at any party. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. It it had a very, um like, judge me for my sins kind of thing. Like a God judging someone for his sins uh, situation. So I don't know how that speaks to the larger monogamy role, but I do think it just sort of speaks to just the type of rabbit hole we were supposed to be down with Tom Cruise in that moment. I guess
1: moment. how badly things can go if you, like, stray from your... Mon- like... It's like the extremes of like you can be bored in monogamy, but then like it can go really fucking wrong if you're like <laughs> not monogamous in your monogamous relationship. It is like a whole room of like was everyone was just just talking about me? Like you walk in, <laughs> you everyone was clearly just talking about you. And I will admit, I was a little disappointed when they were like, take off your clothes. I I sat here and clapped. I was like, yeah, (laughs) waiting for that part to happen. And I felt a little robbed by that. There's so much female nudity in the movie. Yeah. I texted Tyler and was like, I'm 20 minutes into this movie and I've seen so many boobs. And I think there's like one naked dude, which I did appreciate that there's like during the orgy, there's like that slow dance room and there's like some same sex couples. So there is. A naked dude that's like dancing with another guy, and I was like, well, at least there's like one naked dude like dancing <laughs> on another dude. Like I'm into that, but like I was sort of I was annoyed by the inequality of nudity, especially like uh, I almost said Kim Kardashian. Uh, nudity goes there. Um, Nicole Kidman does like full frontal nudity like multiple times in the movie, and like Tom Cruise doesn't have to do that, and I felt like I always find that inequality like offensive.
2: That's not, yeah that's fair you should watch saltburn there's a lot of wieners in saltburn I um,
0: did,
1: and i did appreciate the wieners <laughs>
0: yeah but to be fair though there is a, a pretty good reason not to show tom cruise naked in this movie and that is that he doesn't fuck once <laughs> or no i guess he has that scene with nicole kidman briefly but like the whole movie is just about him being completely unable to have sex when he wants to
1: I was yeah. thinking like he must have the worst like blue balls by the end of the uh, movie.
2: And I, I could, I think you could make the argument that I'm not, I'm not necessarily making it, but I think you could like make the argument that it's supposed to be very male gazy and like kind of like deconstructing that. And the first, and it, it's very, the whole movie is very dreamlike, especially the first half. It feels like he's kind of wake making his way through this dream where it's like all these women are throwing at him and then it ends with him being like surrounded by all these like tall naked models that are all like six inches taller than Tom Cruise (laughs) and you know, his crazy experience. And, you know, once again, like I talked about the way it was lit and the way it was shot. And that even gives it more of a dreamlike quality because, you know, you wouldn't get a look like that shooting digital. And obviously you, you know, you there's not a lot of stuff that was shot digital back in the nineties, especially on this level but uh, it gives it that kind of trickly, Christmassy, just like fantasy look where it's like, this isn't real life. This is film. You're not just getting a view of it. You're getting this, this guy's almost like, What he and I know it's not supposed to be like that, but it's like what would he imagine if he like his wife tells him I went off and did this? What would he imagine his night is like? This woman throws herself at me and then I meet a hooker, but I turn her down because ah no, I'm I'm too good for that. And then I but then I go to like this crazy sex society and this woman that I saved from dying came and sacrifices herself for me. (laughs) It it really does feel like Kubrick is in some way commenting on like the ideas like these ideas that these men have and you know, t- t- Tom Cruise, and then you see it all come crashing down. Oh, and then I forgot even, there's this scene with uh, skull Sco- Skolba. I never can pronounce her name. She's, thank you. And she, who I didn't know was in this movie, I was like, I'm a huge fan of hers, and when she comes out, and you're just like, that bizarre scene with, like, the guys from, like, the, the Chinese takeout restaurant or whatever. Yeah. It's, like, if there's so much insanity in this movie.
1: It there is, anything? and then... Google what happened to Lily Sobieski after they watched this movie because I did that last night for like twenty minutes. <laughs> and she's an artist in Brooklyn. Hey, and she goes by Lily Kimmel, her married name. Oh, sure. She retired from acting in 2012. Just in case you were wondering, she married rich. So
0: yeah. Okay. Well, I do think there's a lot. I think that's a really great point. I never thought about that, but it is. It, there does seem to be a lot of like commentary on the male gaze here. And there's also the one thing you didn't mention too was that. There is a moment where, like, Tom Cruise, you get his sort of inner inner workings when he keeps having the recurring fantasy of Nicole Kidman with the Navy guy. And it's, like, very graphically sexual, like, for her. She's fully naked, whereas he is just in his Navy uniform because he's not a person. He's just a caricature of, like, a man's man that Tom Cruise should have to worry about. And all it is is just this person in a uniform doing very graphic things to his wife. And that's, like, the fantasy that he just can't get over.
2: Yeah. Do you guys miss it all when Tom Cruise was, like, a capital-A actor? And I'm not saying he's, like, not good and stuff, but now he's, like, a movie star, yeah. right? Like, now he's, like, I'm gonna just do the most insane, crazy, like, movies jumping and jumping off planes and going over a cliff and, and hanging on the side of this thing, you know? But then he was just, like... He's like, I'm going to just do some emotions. There's just going to be a shot of my face and you're just going to see that. And it feels like this and maybe like Magnolia and a couple movies around this time period when it's like he was really going for that prestige like Oscar noms. And I think it didn't work out for him. And he's like, I found this other route. I found Mission Impossible. I found these action movies. I'm going to be this kind of star still do very good work, but not as cerebral, not as intense, not as something that would be recognized as just kind of this like iconic performance.
1: That's the thing is like one. So personal life aside. Cause I always yeah, have to write about him when Tom Cruise is good in a movie. He is very fucking good. Like born on the 4th of July. Like my favorite performance from him is interview with a vampire. I think he is pitch Perfect. Terrifying. I think he deserved an Oscar nomination for that movie. He is so good in that movie. And I, I think he's fantastic in this movie. I think he's fantastic in Magnolia. I do miss him like going for that Oscar because I think, you know, he had his weird couch jumping thing and then I think it took him a long time to get back on track. And he kind of stopped taking any risks. He was like, okay, I got to just do Mission Impossible movies from now on. Those like make me a billion dollars. Everybody loves them. I don't have to have a personality in them because like clearly people were turned off by my personality. So like, (laughs) yeah, I think, I think maybe we're not done with him doing that once he's like a little bit older and he just cannot do like running guy with his shirt off in movies anymore, which is probably coming. Maybe he'll go back to being like "Mm, Oscar, like eventually but yeah. I do miss I miss seeing him like he, he gets very raw with his emotions in this movie and I appreciate that
0: you're right I was thinking too like I'm not it's actually thanks to Ali that I've seen even Interview with a Vampire and a lot of other like Tom like Tom Cruise's good stuff because I didn't really become aware of him until like yeah oh three with the whole couch jumping thing and I was just like alright he's a weirdo but there is <laughs> it is yeah, it is interesting to see though like for example the um the pot scene like, I don't think Tom Cruise is very good in that scene in some moments. He's he's laboring in a way, or maybe Nicole Kidman is just so good, but you are seeing like an effort on Tom Cruise's part to like do the work that I don't think you get in like Mission Impossible 8 or whatever it is we're up to now or something like that. It's not I, I don't think he's going through the motions at this point, but I do think, like Ali said, he's doing safe things. And the safe things, I feel like. You know, could be AI generated at this point. Whereas something like Interview with a Vampire, or even that pot-smoking bedroom scene, they show like an actor putting in work and effort, for better or worse. That you do, I do miss seeing in Tom Cruise.
2: Yeah, I, I like. I think he minimizes the risk, Allie. Yeah, for sure.
1: I want to make sure we talk about. Does anybody else feel like Alan Cumming was in a different movie than everybody else? Because <laughs> he is so like tee hee 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 -hee, like just like farcical and like looking around and doing like tee hee shifty eyes the whole time and like obviously another person that wants to fuck tom cruise because he's like you know (laughs) at one point he's like full on like virtually humping the counter as he's talking to him and i think that was intentional but his like performance and i love him he's one of like my favorites i saw him do the one man Macbeth like he's a fantastic actor to bring it back to Macbeth again uh, which I guess you're not supposed to say it's unlucky. But anyway. Um, it's And he was a little bit Scottish at, at the beginning of his accent too. I caught that about him and Nicole King. And I was like, both of you, you think you're hiding your accents. But anyway, it was just such a... The scene felt so out of place. His performance felt so out of place for like the rest of the movie for me.
0: I think there is a version of this movie that was envisioned as a comedy and that's not I think. that's a fa- That's a fact. But I think that there are some remnants of that that still like trickle in. And I think Alan Cumming uh, was indeed maybe a relic of that because he is. It's so comedic, the scene where he's just like, oh, uh, that man checked out a while ago. Was there anything unusual about uh, the way he checked out? now that you mention it, he was clearly kidnapped. Like, he just starts, he's like, oh yeah, he came in with two guys, he looked scared, he had a bruise on his cheek, he tried to slip me a note, but they intercepted it, and then said, don't worry about it, any official communication will come from us.
1: Why? Is that strange? Like, it's it's, it's funny, it's like, that's a funny scene. It's the teehee nature where he keeps just like, doing shifty eyes guys, shifty guys and being like, well. Yeah. It's just
2: weird. I'll take it a step further. I think that like, Every person in this is in their own different movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, like Lily's in her own movie, and like um, Todd Field is in a, Todd Fields in a much more like, hey, I'm in Todd Field thinks he's in like La La Land, and then like <laughs> all the guys in like the the orgy are in like a very serious movie, and you know, like uh, the woman who like confesses her love, she's in a soap opera. Yeah, I think it's just like it's everybody's doing their own thing like who knows if they even got the same scripts i would not be surprised if like kubrick went and told people this movie's in like nicole kidman he's like this is a she's like this is a erotic thriller and then to like tom cruise he's like this is a very serious drama like he could have like that's why i think it like it's like we call for the purposes of this podcast like it works as an erotic thriller but i think it's hard to even classify what genre this film is
0: yeah, I think it's I think it's a little like that Apple show The After Party, where every single character has main character syndrome. The camera just so happens to follow Tom Cruise.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> I would watch a movie that was literally Alan Cummings' hotel clerk character. He <laughs> was yes. so adorable and so just like he he did what he did like so charmingly. It just was so out of touch with the rest of the movie that I was like what have we stepped into?
0: <laughs> There's also... So I wanted to ask, too... I, I did not understand the whole... I loved the whole scene where he goes to the costume shop and he has to pay his way in because it's after hours, and then the guy catches his daughter with the two guys. What I didn't get was when he goes back the next day and he is clearly now a pimp for his daughter overnight. What the fuck? What happened there?
1: I think once he goes to the orgy, the veil of other people like keeping up these illusions like the way that like she would, like Nicole Kidman was keeping up this like perfect wife and he was keeping up this like no I would never have uh, uh, sex with these two models like I think for some reason all of the like veils keep falling and that's he's able to see like this real who this guy really is where it's like, yeah, this guy is not so great. He's not actually looking out for his daughter. He just wants to make sure that he is the pimp of the daughter. Oh, uh, Oh, okay.
0: Oh, I asked and now it made me sad. You guys talk, <laughs> you guys talk while I recover. I mean,
2: I don't even have a good read on that. See, I think that's a valid, legitimate read, read but it was just another thing that was just like, this was just some more shit that Cooper threw in. And I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. But
1: it's, another, it's another instance of someone being like, you want sex? Like, it's like, just yeah. like every scene ends with someone being like, So Tom Cruise want to fuck? Like, it's like, oh, for for God's sake, can he get through one moment in this movie with someone not trying to fuck him? The whole movie is just, (laughs) it's people being like, hey,
0: Tom Cruise, do you want to have sex? Him saying, yes, please, and then slipping on a banana peel and waking up an hour later. Like, it's, (laughs) it's insane.
1: to be fair, that's one of the only times where he does not seem down for sex. He's like, she looked like she was, she was like 16. He was, so he was like, he looked pretty horrified at the idea of it. She
0: was exactly 16 when she filmed.
1: Yeah. Um, And she looked it. Yeah. 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 It was, it was crazy. There's
0: speaking of like people, there's only one moment in this movie where this main character syndrome, everyone's in a different movie thing kind of like got brought to the forefront and I remember it's right in the part of my notes where I started writing in all caps because I was just furious. <laughs> but it's when it's when the guy comes in at the orgy scene and he sends one of the girls over to him and she's like, "Ooh, let's go to where the rainbow ends" and all of this stuff. She's clearly trying to lure him into an uh-oh situation. Um and then the the other woman, not Kate Blanchett, comes in and rescues him again and she pulls him aside and she's like, "No, for real they'll kill me they'll kill you like this is this is unsafe and he looks at her and says who are you it's like god dude she's wearing a mask and then he goes come with me why do you want her to come with you
1: she said her life was in danger
0: if he doesn't leave he said their lives will certainly be in danger if he whisks her away like like and doesn't let her do what she's there to do
1: why would you leave someone who's trying to help you in a situation where it can get so bad for her that they're going to try and kill her? I think that's where he's like, clearly this is a dangerous situation, so you come too. But he's like, <laughs> what? Well, yeah, yeah,
0: come jump in my cab with me, we'll be fine. Like, no, she's safe there, she knows what she's doing, you are think, making it unsafe for her.
2: I think he's just like, it's. he's still got the idea of like, I'm the... I'm the guy I'm the main character and I'll whisk her like he's like clearly women are throwing themselves at me and just like the way he's like I can get in anywhere I can do anything I'm handsome doctor I can do whatever I want and women are just gonna fall and like just the way he's like he's now reached the point where he's at this orgy where he does not belong and this is the one woman who's not gonna be like no I'm gonna like sleep (laughs) with you she's like no this is not happening dude like you are not the savior here i'm telling you you do not understand the situation you need to fucking run there's no running away with you dude
0: yeah <laughs> that's my thing like maybe i'm not chivalrous but i would be like okay if my presence is going to get you killed i will gentlemanly fuck off
1: well you're, you're smarter than tom cruise
0: in this situation
1: then like for fuck's sake, dude, leave. Like, she was still too play. Like, it was, like, eight times where she was like, I've said my life's in danger, your life's in danger, you need to leave. Like, I would have just, like, punched him in the face at a certain point and just been like, can leave. <laughs> like, really wasn't listening.
0: But I really expected when they were like, do you know the second password for him to be like, I'm starting to think that there is no end of the rainbow. Like, that's how dumb <laughs> I think he was. <laughs> <laughs> he could not figure out that he was
1: cooked see the thing is i actually i was thinking like what would i have done in that situation and i would have been like there isn't one and that was the right answer yeah, yeah.
2: that's what i the thought that i had too it's like when you get caught you're just like what second password and then things said, i'm like you fucking idiot of course
1: yeah there it, is was to never
0: told to a, a second it. password
1: Yeah, you either got to do that or you got to take a big swing and just be like, marshmallow. Yeah,
2: yeah, you just got to keep bullshitting. You know, you've bullshitted this far, just keep going.
0: There's also, like, part of me that would just kind of, like, be totally fine with confessing. Like, what's the big harm? This is a password-protected party. I figured out the password. If you want me to go, okay. Okay. But, like, it's so weird that he's just like, ah, I do belong. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, no, you don't. You got there armed with the password. That didn't fully work for you. Cut your losses. Go home. Your cab's waiting anyway. (laughs) There's nothing. The way he tries to, like, keep getting away with the lie and, like, blend in. It's like, the second someone was like, I don't think you belong here, I would have been like, yeah, I read the password off a bar napkin. Like, is that not okay? (laughs) I thought if you had the password, you're good.
1: He's such a shitty friend too. like his friend keeps being like, no, like, no, man, like you really can't come. And then he's like, "Will he's having such a marriage crisis that he is willing to at like 2 a.m. go and rent a cloak and a weird masquerade mask for like 300 to 400 dollars. Take a cab out. Like, you know, like he's willing to take so many steps to get into this party that he doesn't even know is an orgy. He just knows there's like it's weird and beautiful women are there and doing weird things. And his friend is begging him not to go. And like he fucking does he get is his friend dead in the end? Like
0: I can find that out. He He doesn't give a shit about him. It's only the like girl that he's like, oh, I've got to do something chivalrous. Justice for Nick Nightingale.
1: He just down Nick the next day. He what? He tries to chase down Nick the next day to see if he's okay. Yeah, and
0: then here's Alan Cummings' charming rendition of how that guy is super dead, and then just moves on with his life. And yeah, well, Sidney no. Pollack
2: tells him he's okay. He's he's good in Seattle. He's on a farm, and he's just like, well, okay, I guess so. And it's like, I was like, well, I guess this is before like fucking Facebook and shit existed, so we just got to take him for his word.
1: Yeah, I would have gone and been like, okay, well, I'm calling information right now, getting his number, calling his house, and you can, I will talk to him. And it, you're going to have to answer me if I don't get him on the phone. But do, he does go back to the mansion after hearing, like, Nick is gone. And then they give him another letter because they're like, man, we anticipated this fucker. And they give him a letter being like, fucking stop. Everyone's told you to stop.
0: Thank God he doesn't run into Nick Nightingale again. Because if I were Nick, this man <laughs> would have some answering to do. <laughs> he would. <laughs>
1: He lost him a really cushy gig, too. Like, he did. You're just, you're just blind yeah. people like have silent sex around you.
0: He got overnighted out of New York. Had yeah. to go home to his shitty kids. Or murder. He, yeah. <laughs> he
2: got, yeah, he lost that gig and he also was playing at that bar for like a couple more weeks, too. So he lost two jobs because yeah. this fucker.
1: Wait, that reminds me, too. Was he cheating on his wife? Because, like... The, Tom Cruise goes to that diner and asks the waitress, like, do you know him? And she she gets all tee-hee. It's like a weird... Everybody that's interacted with Dick has this weird tee-hee quality the next day. And she gets all like, well, I, I don't think I should tell you. And he's like, come on. you could." And she's all like, no, I guess. And like they, And then eventually, like, she, he has to show her his, like, doctor badge thing because she's really not into it. And Liza, it's, like, about doctor stuff. And so finally she's like, I guess, even though he would have a way to contact him if he'd done tests. But I digress. And it, so it seemed like that lady had been to his hotel room to sleep with him.
2: You could I I didn't think about that, but that's that's a valid read.
0: Guys, in order of how you wanna see them, the spin off characters, whose movie do you wanna see? We got Alan Cummings, we got Nick Nightingale, and we got soap opera like Dead Dad Lady. Whose story do you really want to see?
1: Alan Cummings number one.
0: I'm curious about Nick Nightingale.
2: That's Yeah, same for me. I think Nick Nightingale is my number
0: one. Just, just, at the, like, best case scenario, at the end of the movie, he's back home in Seattle, like, in his weird, like, office studio piano room in his home, just with a dartboard with Tom Cruise's face on it.
2: And he's gotta have, like, a crazy conversation with his wife, and she's just like, you know what we need to do now? Fuck. <laughs>
1: Or he says fuck and she's like no you asshole you cheated on me get out. Or she just like like he
0: she he comes home his wife's on the phone and she says it worked and hangs up the phone and on the other end Nicole Kidman. <gasps> <laughs>
1: So actually, something I did find very interesting about the movie is how I, I found there to be like a, uh, an interesting through line uh, that hinted that maybe she was at the party or involved with those people. And I found that to be some of the most uh, interesting and funnest parts. Like where the dream that she tells him about when he comes home from the orgy is like very much all, like kind of referencing the fact that he's coming from this orgy. So it's sort of like teasing him a little bit. And then I love the moment where he goes to, like, he comes home, his, his daughter is doing math homework with his wife. He goes to the fridge, and then he walks back to look at his wife. And Nicole Kidman, that was, like, a great shot where she's, like, she's got this really, like, devious smile looking at him where you're not supposed to know, like, is, is she being devious or is that just her smiling, like, at her husband? And then the mask at the end, too could have been her just, like, putting it there because she was a part of the whole conspiracy. But then it seems by the end that she wasn't, like, you know, with with the tearful confession stuff. But I liked that through line of, like, hinting, like, is his whole life kind of wrapped up in this weird conspiracy?
0: Me too. I thought that, too. I thought that was going to be the reveal in the end. And then when it wasn't, I was like, then her dream is just a crazy coincidence.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I just kind of took it as, like, a thematic thing. Like, he's having this very dreamlike like night and she, her actual little dream, literal dreams are paralleling the insanity he's going through.
0: And she's the one broken up about it too. Yeah. She's more devastated by her dream than his actual events.
1: Well, eventually he does like break down and cry and it's just like, I'll fucking tell you everything. But I remember seeing in an interview with Tom Cruise, like around this time, they asked him like, I think it was like Rosie O'Donnell, like asked him, uh, who do you think puts put the mask like on the pillow like was it you know the wife was it somebody from that whole culty conspiracy thing like to like fuck with you and threaten you was it a dream and like it wasn't actually there and he thinks she put it there to like you know fuck with him basically to get him to like confess to everything that was going on
0: well actually,
2: it was like also- Tom Cruise's real life coming in he's like Nicole's fucking with
0: me <laughs> <laughs> I- I never went back and watched, though, but in the scene where he's forced to unmask and, like, they tell him to take his clothes off, does he, what happens to the mask in that scene? Does he leave it there, or does he bring it home and lock it in that weird little, like, slidey chest in his office?
2: I think he puts it in the drawer, right? I, I think that's what he does.
1: I think it is, does go home with him.
0: Then, yeah, it was Nicole kid. Or,
2: or like Sidney Pollack was lying, and these people broke into his house to put it there as a threat. Like the way, because that's the way I took it. Like it's like we can get into your house discreetly without waking your wife and child, and put this next to your sleeping wife so you know we know you know how serious we are. And if you cross us, we will fucking kill you. That's the way I took it.
1: I just the the extreme like end of like ruining your monogamy like you will lose your wife and kid and like it's only it's like literal
0: yeah it's it is crazy though to think about because they do the the group seems like this weird cabal who's really got like friends in high places they've got a letter with his name on it like already ready to go like all of this stuff but then you hear Sidney pollack talk and it's like oh yeah i was there i recognize you and i know all that information so i gave it to him and it, is, it does sort of demystify it quite a bit. And the only way it recaptures that sort of like scary feeling is when the mask is on the pillow the next or the, the following morning or whatever it is. And so it is like if Sidney Pollock's not lying to him, then it's 100% Nicole Kidman. Or Sidney Pollock is lying to him and there is this weird shadow organization going on. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely took, like, I. I as soon as like I, I he was giving that whole speech or something i was like i feel like and it's supposed to be ambiguous but i was like i feel like this is all bullshit this is like like them being like yeah don't worry about the list that Jeffrey Epstein had and all the people that are on it <laughs> nothing crazy happened don't worry about it guys you know it, it, it seemed like he was like trying to the d- d- just to like so he didn't seem like you know he cuz so we could like tell him like hey yeah i was there i saw you and i always thought i thought thought he was the guy with the the like long nose mask uh, the one that we like mentioned earlier, that I was like, that's got to be Sidney Pollack, but it seemed like he was like clearly trying to be like, yeah, it's all a crazy coincidence. The fact that she died wasn't even that. and I was like, that is bullshit. These guys are the <laughs> most powerful people in the world; they can do anything they want to. Tom Cruise, get the fuck out of there.
1: I do like that it's plausible that she died on like in an unrelated circumstance, mm-hmm. because like. They set it up well where he does tell this woman like she almost overdosed. He like Tom Cruise like sees her through it. He tells her you need to go to rehab. Like you you won't be able to like keep doing this. And so it's clear that this woman has a drug problem and it's like very serious. She's almost going to die. And so it is plausible that she does like an eight ball again and dies. But also it would be an awful big coincidence. Mm -hmm. So. I like that that ambiguity is there because it is hard. Like, I don't even know that I fall where I'm like, yeah, I, I super believe that, like, they killed her. Or, like, I, you know, I just don't feel like there's enough to to fall on either line. So I do like that they've made it, like, realistic. I think the thing that made it hard for me to believe Sydney Pollack is I don't know if it was, like, this is the performance he was going for or he just was like the weaker performer out of everybody in the movie because I felt like he was performing like a director because he is such a like prolific director that he was like, well, this is how I'm going to say this line and now I'm going to pick up the pool ball and like throw it down because like that looks cool. Like I just felt like I could feel him blocking it and like like directing himself versus like really feeling like he was as like in character as everybody else.
0: That's very astute, Ali. I was—I didn't include it in the trivia because it's just not one of the more interesting parts out of everything, but that is exactly what happened, and as a result, that billiard scene, they kept, like, Kubrick had him keep doing it again and again and again, even if they already got the shot, because I think there was an element of, like, I'm directing this scene, motherfucker, but he 100% came in with that attitude, and he would do the blocking and have all of these things, then Kubrick would be like, all right, let's reset all the cameras, do it from another angle, (laughs) like just to kind of like be a dick, I think. So that's interesting that you picked up on that.
1: Yeah, because I felt like specifically when he grabbed the pool ball, it just didn't feel super natural. Like it just felt like somebody being like, I gotta do something with my hands. And this seems like (laughs) something cool that I would do.
0: I really related to the moment too, where he's just like, oh, this is very good scotch. He's just trying to pay the guy a compliment. He's like, I'll send you a case. And he eventually has to be like, Fucking no, I don't want a case of your scotch, man. Just, can we just talk? Can we just be people?
2: But yeah, I love the, the ambiguity in all of that to like, and we met, like we mentioned before, like, you know, you're like, okay, cool. Like this she might've been a coincidence, but it's like, you don't even know necessarily that it was the same person. That's what the movie tells us. That's what we're meant to believe in the way that it's structured. But then Kubrick puts the doubt in your mind by casting a different person and casting a third different voice just to make you that much more insane and be like, what did I even see? And like, yeah. I like, when I rewatched it, I was like, cause I wasn't, I didn't know if it was the same actress or not. And I like really tried to tell, I was like, but you like the face is covered on it. So you're just looking at the body like, is this the same person? And then I like looked it up afterwards. Like, Nope, it isn't. And I was like, Oh, what? And Kate Blanchett, not credited. Like, <laughs> Just because, you know, like, why not the greatest actress of our generation? You know, like, wh- okay, cool.
1: I felt like I was the biggest pervert because, like, uh, I was looking at the new actress and being like, her boobs look different than the first scene. Because I was, like, convinced it was the same woman. But I was like, her boobs look slightly different. Maybe I just I'm am not remembering. I'm glad you the- said completely. it. Yeah. It was,
2: I, mean, I, was th- I was trying to put it tactfully because I'm a dude and, like, <laughs> <you know? laughs>
1: Yes. But I was like, there's sl- like they looked very similar. They were almost there, but there was a slight difference. Yeah. And I was like, maybe it's that. That was the- I was like, those boobs are different. Maybe that's a different actor.
0: <laughs> thank you, Allie. Thank we were bo- we were both in that similar quagmire. So thank you for being the one.
1: So, but at least like Sydney Pollack does confirm that it's the same woman. Because, like, he yeah. straight up, like, that's one of the only things that's, like, answered. Where, like, Tom Cruise is like, so, was that the same lady? Like, was that Mandy? And he was like, yeah. And he's like, do you know she's dead? And he's like, eh.
0: Well, not conf- <laughs> it's, it's as confirmed as Nick Nightingale being in Seattle. Like, that could just be Sidney Pollock being like, oh, oh, yeah, it's reasonable that this woman would OD. The one thing Tom Cruise knows about this woman is that she tends to OD. So if we want to cover up that we, like, I don't know, put... This woman who rescued him in a guillotine or something, this is a good way to do it. So you really don't know.
1: He didn't need to confirm it was the same person. He could have just said no. And that that would be the end of that.
0: Well, no, it would, because then Tom Cruise would be like, well, what happened to the woman who saved me? And then he's got a whole new line of questions that he can't answer.
1: Well, he could just be like, she's fine. She's not in the newspaper. Like, what do you want from me?
0: (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Something about the whole, like, you know, you can't escape this fate. It's like, I wouldn't buy if the next day he's like, oh, yeah, she's fine. She, she she got uh, they wouldn't validate her parking I don't know well look we've covered a lot of this movie but there, I mean we could honestly sit here I could sit here for another like two hours just talking about the ins and outs of this movie yeah. but I'm curious to run through what everyone's personal favorite bit of mischief was from this movie in a movie that is again i keep saying it but just a series of tom cruise stepping on rakes trying to have sex with people what was your favorite part of eyes wide shut uh ali let's i'll start with
1: you well 22 year old Allie watched the uncut version that i think the british get to watch Ooh. so i was very into the orgy scene i ended up watching the the like the american version which was like has i guess like digital people blocking yeah. yep. things which, like, yeah, it's kind of a cop-out. So not the orgy scene. I, I think, for me, I thought the sexiest scene, because I do like when we when we decide, like, not necessarily... Like, my favorite scene was maybe Alan Cumming, just because I found that really funny. But the sexiest scene, I actually think, was the beginning, when we get, like, both of them are, like, separated from each other and skirting that line of, like, uh, where you're going to cross the line. Like, they're both like really, really flirting with the people that they're with. Like she's flirting with the guy she's dancing with and he's flirting with the two women. And I thought that was a very sexy, like they're both getting something out of it. They're they're flirting with that line, but they're not going to cross it. I thought that was like really, really well done. And I liked seeing they both had a lot of chemistry happening with these other people.
0: I agree. I, I had my gripes with the dialogue in this movie, of course, but that opening scene, what I did find really or appreciated and also found kind of sexy was they're speaking this language of like, she's like, oh, I'm married. And he goes, oh, well, surely you wouldn't he wouldn't mind if you uh, danced with me. And it's like the way he keeps like inviting himself into her life like that uh, uh, through just very subtle language was, I thought, really good and really well done. So that's a great, great pick. Uh, yeah. Derek, how about you? What's your favorite, best, sexiest scene, what have you?
2: I mean, for me, this is one of those things where the easy answer is the right answer. It's the orgy. <laughs> yeah. like, like, if you say to someone, like, I was at this crazy Eyes Wide Shut party, you're not going to, like, be like, oh, was, like, Nick Nightingale there? You're going to be like, oh, so you want to, a, like, an orgy with masks. Like, you yeah. like, this is clearly a reason why I thought that was what this movie was, even though it's just the middle chunk. It's like, you know, the, like, no pun intended, the climax of the movie, even though it's, like, in the middle of it. It's it's just, like, bizarre. And I also got to watch the uncut British version. Um, so, you know, there was no, like, weird, like, that WB, I guess, like, made, I was going to say made Kubrick made, but he was, like, made Kubrick's ghost make. Where, like, he was, like, um, they put in all this stuff so they could get the proper rating. Um, yeah, it's like so bizarre and weird and like a lot of tall, hot, naked people, some of them with like iconic voices that would go on to, you know, talk about Sauron in a couple of years. Like, uh, so you, you, you can't, you can't beat that scene. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the whole thing of the movie.
0: Yeah, it really was just a couple of years. When did Lord of the Rings come out? Oh, or
1: once. Oh, or no, 2001. Wow. The last First one, yeah.
0: These
2: fields. So she would have been shooting it around the same time because it shot like 98, 99, I
1: think. Yeah, it's this
0: shot from ninety-six to ninety-eight.
2: Okay, so yeah, she would have probably gone. I mean, done the VR for this and then like cause, uh, gone to flown to New Zealand or yeah. whatever.
0: Both great scenes. I'm glad you picked the orgy scene because one of <laughs> us had to. It's the most. It's it, it's one of us had to pick the orgy scene. I mean. <laughs> It's the scene from Eyes Wide Shut. In fact, my least favorite scene, I wrote in my notes, is when he's sitting with Nick Nightingale in the club and he's being like, yeah, my blindfold wasn't super tight, so I looked and, like, there were people and they're all wearing these And it's like, yeah, you're describing an Eyes Wide Shut party. I get (laughs) you're not, but, like, we, the audience, know, so, like, this is boring. This is so boring because we all know where this is headed. (laughs) Um, But I guess one of my my favorite scenes from the movie was... um, the way that he kept Tom Cruise kept getting real life. I love all of those. One of the better ones was when he's just about to hook up with what was her name? Not Destiny, uh, the hooker, the first like girl, oh, right. the, the girl from Hocus Pocus, the girl from Hocus. Oh my Pocus. god! I didn't realize that. I knew
2: I I knew I recognized her. Oh,
0: oh my, my god! god.
2: Sure. Oh my gosh!
0: I have to go. I have to go. I. I, yeah. I as
1: they do as they say in hocus
0: pocus she has great yabos. <laughs> she does have great yabos.
1: That's I guess what she's known for. <laughs>
0: that clever little white witch. Okay. Um anyway, what was I talking about? Nothing matters now. That that was the best reveal of the podcast. Domino. Domino. domino thank domino. you. Domino, right. Um when she like calls and like you were saying it's like she's in like a blue light and all of that. It's very sobering, but the best was just when Tom Cruise like cries and tells her like I'm going to tell you everything and then it's a hard cut to the next morning he's clearly told her everything and she's just like we we told our daughter we'd take her Christmas shopping and then it is just such a hard cut to like just a mall like the most wholesome they're in like a department store with this little girl excited for Christmas after we the audience have seen like orgies and hookers and calling people underage hookers a dad pimping his daughter like all of this horrible stuff people have died and it's just her jumping up and down being like i want a puppy for christmas it's the biggest dash of cold water i've ever seen in a movie (laughs) i i loved it and i think it speaks to this movie at its heart is a comedy
1: (laughs) i will say shout out to his kiss with domino which was actually one of the sexier scenes and some of the most action he gets in the movie (laughs) yeah
0: that's the other thing is, like, when he leaves, he's just like, oh, I better not do anything I would regret. And it's like, you are in for a penny at this point. You've gone upstairs with her. You've made out with her. You're giving her money. Like, you, I mean, it, at a certain point, it's weird that you're not just cheating on your wife with this woman. And then he almost hooks up with her roommate. Like, he's, like, taking his roommate, roommate's
2: jacket off and stuff. And you're like, what is going on in this
1: movie? That was one of the more confusing. Like, was he doing that to get more information from her. Cause he's like full on trying to seduce her. He's like feeling her, he like goes in her jacket and like feels her up and is like laughing and being very, very flirt, overtly flirtatious with her in a way that he hasn't necessarily with, with a lot of people in the movie that I was like, why is why is he trying to now fuck her roommate so hardcore? Is it just because he he feels like maybe he'll get more information from Domin about Domino? And then she's like, you it, know, it's it's not a bad scene, but it just almost reminds me of the scene in the room where the woman's like, the mom's like, That yeah, that's right, I have breast cancer. Like it's just like so out of nowhere <laughs> where she's like, She got a phone call and she has HIV, and it's like What? Like he's had such a weird <laughs> Like every single scene he has is like, here's the consequence of cheating on your wife. Yeah. It's like you could get HIV, you could get murdered. Like it's like. Well,
0: I yeah. think I think the reason he was like trying to seduce her was because he wanted to have sex with her. I think because right before yeah, she's that, like, she's DTF. Yeah. yeah, he because call, he called the woman who. Um, was like the daughter who was like throwing herself at him and like her boyfriend picked up and he's like, he just doesn't respond and hangs up. He's just trying to have sex. So he's retracing his steps from last night. He's hitting all of the like easy touchstones to where he knows he could get laid. So the daughter is not going to happen. So he's like, ah, how else did I almost get laid last night? Oh, Domino. So he goes to her place, trying to like woo her, finds another girl who as Derek eloquently put it is DTF and just sort of (laughs) switches his target. Like, on the fly. That's that kind of improv that only a handsome Tom Cruise can do. <laughs>
1: yeah, he is kind of like,
0: eh? Like, just like, you yeah.
2: we try it. He's like, you like jazz Nick Nightingale? I got some free
0: <laughs> jazz for you <me> right here. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That,
1: one, that one, I was like, what? Where is this Like, I guess he was just ready to explode. Yeah. At yeah. point, it was like, and, and then she's like,
2: like, You might have AIDS, so this is not gonna happen. He's like, Oh, okay, maybe I should steer clear. He's like, I know I don't have AIDS, but like I could have just got it, so maybe I need to be careful.
1: It was like I think this also like really ruined the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: That, but, yeah, How do you you don't really come back from that like my roommate has AIDS moment. That's yep. kinda like lets the air out of the room.
0: Yeah, whole, like, like you know, fucking strangers in the street has its challenges. <laughs> Who'd have thought?
1: I wanted like when he stopped at like the newspaper guy. I wanted the newspaper guy to be like, "Hey, you want to have sex?" Like it's just like <laughs> at a certain point, like everywhere he went, someone was like, "Want to fuck?" Like him. That like when he went to get the coffee, reading the newspaper. Like it just felt like it just should have. That would have made it where. It <laughs> gone into full-blown comedy and i could have really used that i think that would have been really funny it
0: becomes like a weird zombie movie or like that episode of buffy where like xander accidentally casts a love spell on the whole town and like they're breaking (laughs) through windows trying to get to him again another movie hidden within this movie yeah all right well everyone's doing their own thing guys this has been an absolute delight uh but now it's time to get into uh I think the trivia of this movie. A lot of it's well known. I'll say to our listener, we 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 usually like troll the IMDb facts for trivia. You can take those with a grain of salt. I try to do a little bit more research, but for this movie, far and away the most like trivia, like IMDb facts, like all kinds of stuff than any movie we've ever done. So, you know, a lot of these I'm sure are probably uh uh just Hollywood lore. But we I'm gonna run through just some of the ones I found the most interesting out of like easily over a hundred. but as Ali mentioned, this is based on a novella. I did a little bit of digging on the novella and other than taking place in like the 20th century, it's pr- it's a pretty faithful like telling of the story. It's just a guy hears that his wife was fantasizing about another guy and then goes crazy. Um, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman had open-ended contracts. Uh, Because they had a feeling that this was going to take a while. Because Vincent D'Onofrio, after working with Kubrick on Full Metal Jacket, was like, if you're going to be working with him in London, you should get a house or rent an apartment or something like that. Because you're going to be there a while. Um, So we talked a little bit about the end of their Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's marriage. Kubrick wanted to sow real distrust in this married, married couple to get a better performance out of them. So the scene with the naval officer that was like one minute long... He had them film that over like six days, like 50 takes, like all kinds of stuff. He banned Tom Cruise from the set and he forbid Nicole Kidman from telling him anything about those shoot days so that he just had to kind of be like, what was my wife doing during that? I guess I'll find out at the premiere.
1: This he, was in the days before Intimacy Coordinator, so like, yep. he's notorious for not, not being uh, great to his actresses.
0: No. Yeah, no. Uh, He also, to prepare them for their roles, he joined them in psychoanalysis sessions between Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, and he had them confess their fears about the relationship uh, and their real-life marriage. According to Kidman, it was, quote, "...brutally honest and blurred the line between themselves and their fictional characters. Both of them have vowed to never reveal what they discussed during these sessions." But imagine you... Your marriage counselor, your spouse, and then your director just in the corner watching, taking notes. Insane.
1: That, um, I honestly, that's the documentary, your e. Hollywood story that I want to see. It's like mm. the two of them finally being like, here's what fucking happened in that room.
0: There's, so, people, people have been sent to Seattle, if you know what I mean, by the Church of Scientology, <laughs> to keep whatever notes exist from those sessions a, a, a secret.
2: I'm going to have to start using that. You're going to get sent to Seattle by the Church of Scientology.
1: Wait, will we for talking about
0: it? We're going to be on a list or something, probably. Oh, no. Yeah. Whatever. I don't live on the West Coast. Come at me.
2: <laughs> um, There's a Church of Scientology like two blocks away from me. They'll get me.
0: And you're speaking out loud? They've got your house bugged.
1: Oh, no. There's one in, like, Harlem. Like they're, It's not like they don't have one in New York.
0: Yeah, but they're, like, the, the East Coast version, they're just a lazier version. That's right. <laughs> I'm taking them on. I don't give a shit. Um, let's see. Uh, we mentioned that he had a fear of traveling. So, yeah, a lot of this was shot in uh the uk all of this was shot in the uk so all of the scenes in new york like he sent people to go like measure streets like all like meticulously making sure this looked like new york to the point where i was shocked it did take place in the uk i thought it looked very faithful to new york which is insane and i guess a testament to pinewood studios who meticulously built all this but like ali said in the beginning what a tremendous waste of so many people's time (laughs)
1: Just take an van and go on a plane. <laughs>
0: the only real footage of New York that was used. Can anyone tell me what it might have been? It's what was in the background when Tom Cruise was clearly walking on a treadmill. Oh, yeah. Through the streets of New York.
2: Right, that makes sense. Because there was that, and then when he was in the taxi. Like, it's very yeah. much like, it's like that scene in Austin Powers where he's like driving around. <laughs> the, the B-roll's behind him.
0: Yep. Uh, this This film appeared in the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest constant movie shoot at four hundred days, which is insane but if you if you he, like just uh, there's so many things in the trivia about just time consuming things that Kubrick did. one just example is that the newspapers, every newspaper or like text or anything like that was filmed in different languages so that he could release it without having to, like, subtitle when someone was reading. Which, again, what a tremendous waste of everyone's time.
1: But didn't... Wasn't there something where, like, he made Tom Cruise, like, just do, like, entering a room, like, just literally simple, like, a hundred times? Yes, there was. That, to me, is also just so wasteful. Like, I have to imagine he didn't... It wasn't such poorly set up that it didn't look pretty and that Tom Cruise couldn't walk through. But I felt like he... There was something about Kubrick where he just wanted everybody to fucking hate him by the end of each shoot day. <laughs> I wonder if he had some
0: kind of, like, obsessive-compulsive disorder or something like that, because truly, and I'm not being funny, walking through a door, like, incorrectly and having to keep redoing that action is, like, a symptom that a lot of people with OCT do have. And I'm wondering if, like, it's just... He, like, has it, but, like, one person removed, like, that's his directing style, why he's such a perfectionist. It's... it's wild whatever's going on but yeah there was like hundreds of takes
1: i think it was a combo of being kind of a control-free dick and like because like you have all this power to like make these people do whatever you want they're gonna spend 13 hours walking through a door even if it's tom cruise and like i know that he liked a style of where he wanted to be people to be so exhausted that they couldn't they couldn't put on any airs anymore that they like what he was going to get from them was so raw because they were just like ah, thank you for the love of god <laughs> <The Yeah. daughter.
2: laughs> it's like the same like to return to the fincher parallel like, again it's like just like it's just like you just have these people just do these things over and over and over so it, like it breaks them down so it's not even like oh i'm acting anymore it's just like you, you just do this motion now it just becomes yeah. the most natural thing in the world
0: oh boy um, so we mentioned a little bit that they yeah, the British version, like they in order to get to secure an R rating and not get it pushed to NC 17, they had to computer generate people to block out certain things in the orgy scene. And a lot of people say that this is like, yeah, boo. Um, but a lot of people say that this is like a bastardization of Kubrick's work, but apparently he was aware that that was going to happen before he died. It was done after he died, but he was like, let's just film this, you know, um, I, I was going to say, let's just film this balls out, but no, no pun intended. But let's just film this, and then if we need to put people in front of it through CGI uh, to secure the R rating, we'll do that. Um, so he, like, he wasn't off-board with the idea, but he wasn't a part of its execution. Filming it balls wide out. <laughs> um, I didn't realize this, but this is one of the only movies to not include some kind of narration or something like that from... Uh, one of a Kubrick movie. And apparently there was a voiceover by Bill Harford, Tom Cruise's character in the screenplay, but they ultimately decided not to use it.
1: Well, a narration (laughs) would (laughs) have helped.
0: You're absolutely right. Um, uh, Speaking of the nude scenes, uh, I thought this was kind of nice. Although there were no intimacy coordinators, Uh, he and Kubrick and Kidman came up with an idea where basically she had final say contractually on every nude scene so she could have at any point been like fucking no we're deleting that we're not using that one she said at no point did she exercise that but that she was the one like that made her feel safe to like film as much as she did film it in the way that she did because nothing would have been able to go out without her say so now the degree to which that's true and like there were power dynamics at play we could talk about all the live long day, but she seems like she was okay with that deal that she cut with them.
1: To be fair, if I looked like her naked, I would be like, yeah, just the whole movie can just be one long shot of me nude. <laughs> yeah,
0: a little joke from like me to me when I was watching this movie by myself last night. It literally like you've got opening title cards and then it's like, boom, naked Nicole Kidman. And I just, my first note on the movie was, I like this so far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Interesting start to the film. Yeah
0: uh but conversely the guy uh i wrote his name gary goba i think that's how you pronounce it he was Na- the actor who played the naval officer mm. he was 29 years old and remember i mentioned like that scene they shot it for like 6 days it was just like this really intimate incredible thing he thought he had been brought on to do extra work <laughs> and now he's do- now he's doing full frontal which i don't think made it into the movie but there were scenes where i guess he had to get naked so not a great guy, that Kubrick. Uh, no.
1: But also, imagine you think you're going to be an extra, and he's like, come in, you have to fuck Nicole Kidman for six days. Yeah. That's a lot to, I mean, that's like, yeah, awesome, but also, like, that's a lot to have to process in a short period of time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so, we mentioned... Uh, it, being the girl Domino, being the girl from Hocus Pocus, I thought I was going to come out swinging with like, oh, they almost ruined a childhood character for us because uh, Melissa Joan Hart auditioned for that role. Auditioned for that role.
1: Uh, what's his problem?
0: Uh, oh, we're, we've we've only scratched the surface of this actor could have been this actor, I but guess
1: the- Shirley Temple wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. penultimate bit of trivia, which I found funny, is I guess uh, originally the char- Tom Cruise's character was going to be named Rascal, but he th- he threatened to quit the production not if the character's name wasn't changed, but if anyone said the word Rascal to him again. <laughs> okay. Now I'm gonna cl- I'm gonna close this out with a little game. Okay. Because there were a lot of alternate casting choices for this role, and I want I want to see if you guys can guess one, and I'll give you a hint. One of them, they were like, oh, we kind of want, we, we want, and I guess in the book or, or other adaptations, uh, his last name wasn't Harford, it was something uh, that, I forget the actual name, but it was something that's a, a Jewish last name. But he was like, I don't want them to have any defining characteristics. So I'm going to name him Harford because it's like, what, what background is that? We don't know. Um, and that name came of his first acting choice for this role. Does anyone know what it is? It's
2: Harrison Ford. It is it's, Harrison Ford. It's, it's,
0: yeah. He wanted a boring...
1: Harford. <laughs>
0: exactly. Okay. Now, he wasn't the first uh, uh, choice, though originally there was like i've been saying a version of the script that was a comedy can anyone guess who he was thinking of casting in the role that ultimately went to tom cruise in eyes wide shut
1: i know the answer so i'm not gonna do
2: i i i i I know i've heard it but i can't remember i i'm gonna be like ah right
1: it was woody allen just right didn't Everyone trying to fuck Woody Allen. <laughs> exactly. You know,
2: and, and I, I went there, and you know, and she, she, her name was Domino, and she, she and it turns out she had AIDS, and <laughs> and I was at this party, and everyone was wearing masks. It was crazy. Wouldn't believe it.
0: I, I can't give it away in this city. <laughs> that was
2: good. That was. Thank good. you.
0: All right. Alternately, there. So I'm just gonna now I'm just gonna run through. But there was uh, Harrison Ford. There was Woody Allen. Steve Martin. Um, Alan Alda, Alec Baldwin, Warren Beatty, Albert Brooks, Johnny Depp, Tom Hanks, Dustin Hoffman, Bill Murray, and Sam Shepard were all considered for the role that ultimately went to Tom Cruise.
1: I feel like you could make it like you could arrange them in the progression for from it going from like. Woody Allen, then it goes to, like, Steve Martin, you know, like, it's the progression of, like, Steve Martin's a little more serious, like, if you've seen, like, Ellie's story, he's still a comedian, but he's got the more serious, and then you can kind of, like, get to where it's like, okay, Johnny Depp at this time is closer to, and then you get all the way to serious Tom Cruise. Right.
0: (laughs) I want to see the Alan Alda version. I want to see, change nothing about the script that was presented on screen, (laughs) but give (laughs) us Alan Alda.
2: You know, women just don't really think like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was so
1: good. We have to stop.
0: Oh, I mean, that was great.
1: There's alternate reality where there's definitely like a Woody Allen, Diane Keaton one, because she would obviously be the coconut. Right. I would genuinely watch the Harrison Ford one. I mean, I, he's hot, so like that obviously makes it easier. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, you know, I would, I would be interested to see a version where he did it. Yeah,
0: I can But it's I, I can't. I can't see Harrison Ford not closing that's the right. way that Tom yeah. Cruise exactly. just can't make it happen. Who would not sleep with Harrison? Ford? The hooker would be like, "I'll pay you." Yeah. <laughs> He'd walk into that room. All the masks would turn on him, and they'd be like, "Please,
1: just show us
0: a thing or two.
1: <laughs> they would no. They would make him disrobe. They'd be like, "No, someone's trying to say no disrobe."
0: Yeah, you uh, would
2: not be able to convince me that there's a room when Harrison Ford does not belong.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so that's that's again scratching the surface of the trivia surrounding this movie. But that was just a handful of stuff I thought was fun, um, because, especially the, I mean, Alan Alda really did it for me, the Woody Allen. There's, it's, there's a lot here, but uh, we, again, we could be here all night. Um, I think for Eyes Wide Shut, w- let's just go around the horn and say, you know, did you think this was a good movie and would you recommend it to your friends, to people? Um, our guest, Derek, you've been such a delight. This was so much fun. You picked a great movie. This was one of our better episodes, like really loved having you on, really loved meeting you. Eyes wide shut. Would you recommend it? Was it good?
2: Yeah. I, okay. Was it good? Yes. I think this movie is actually probably a masterpiece. Would I recommend it? Actually, I don't know. <laughs> <Because> I, <laughs> I don't know it's like, one those those you? i like, oh my gosh, it made so much sense. And then you like, it's like when you show your friend a movie that means a lot to you. And they're like, what was that? Like, you know, like, I, I don't know if I could recommend this to everyone. Maybe like my film buff friends. But like... Like, I don't know, like, would I tell my mom to watch this movie? No.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if my dentist is like, any movie recommendations, seen anything good lately, I would not be like, you've got to see Eyes Wide Shut. (laughs) All right. Allie, how about you? Uh,
1: So I do like this movie. I do think it's maybe a little long, and, like, I do think it would have been helped by some narration to, like, give it a a stronger through line. Um, Because I'll admit, I Googled last night, ending of eyes wide shut explained because i was like the fuck like i really did have to be like i need to know certain things and i read like three different articles explaining the end and was like i think i get it more now so
0: shout out to i'm guessing a grossly underpaid writer from screen rant or something like that (laughs)
1: like collider you know like (laughs) uh, so i think i probably have recommended this movie to people i would I think you need to watch the British version, which has the full orgy with movie and stuff. It's sexier. And if you're going to watch, like, one of these erotic movies, like, seminal erotic movies, you've got to watch, like, the uncut, you know, wink-wink, nudge-nudge version. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> people watch that, even if it's longer. The only thing that's probably longer is the orgy scene, and that's, you know, that's fine. Um,
2: Not the I, only thing that's longer in that orgy, if you catch my drift.
1: <laughs> 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 um Yeah, I mean, I think, like... I wouldn't recommend it for like watching with grandma. Like you said, like I wouldn't recommend it to my mom, even though I accidentally recommended Saltburn to my mom. I think she's going to watch it with my dad. And I was like, yeah, just let, how will you do that? I think you back to me. So who knows? Um, I, I would recommend it to the people that I know that like erotic thrillers. I would say, yeah, if you haven't seen eyes wide shut, it's weird that you haven't seen it and watch the uncut version.
0: Yeah, I'd say the same thing. If someone approached me and was like, I'm thinking about watching Eyes Wide Shut, I'd say do it. 100% do it. But I wouldn't cold recommend it to anyone because, yeah, it's a hard one to recommend. It's long. Um, it's confusing at times. And ultimately, you're left to ponder what it is it has to say, which is the mark of a good movie in many ways. It, it, we, we've we been obsessed about it for a couple days, um, and I'm going to be obsessed about it a little bit tomorrow. Um, but as for whether or not it's good, it was tough to get through. But ultimately, I do think there is enough here where I'm like, yeah, this achieved good movie. This is clearly a labor of love. Um, so I'm, I'm into it. I will say it's a good movie, but it's a tough one to
1: recommend. And the sheer human cost of this movie. Yes. It actually cost a marriage and killed the director. <laughs> <laughs> A 10-year-long, like, marriage, and the director dead, like, four days after finishing the cut.
2: Yeah. Yeah, One of the most prolific directors of all time. He hasn't made a movie in 13 years. Makes this immediately dies. Yeah.
1: Stop, Stop
0: doing Scientology's work for it. They're sitting there being like, yeah, it was Kubrick that ended the marriage that's what it was
1: (laughs) (laughs) potential they cheer you
0: yes (laughs) a hundred percent um excellent well guys listeners everyone that was eyes wide shut what a blast i had so much fun um derek again thank you so much for coming on we have to have you back again especially since you're a fan of the genre um we'll get something else on the books because we loved having you here um where can people find you what do you want to point them to
2: yeah. Thank, thank. By the way, thank you for having. I had a blast. This was so much fun. And thank you for. It feels very therapeutic. I've been thinking about this movie, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Now, now I finally, I got to get my thoughts out. I feel a lot clearer on it now. But uh, yeah. Uh, you can find me, uh, like you mentioned, uh, underrated is the name of my podcast. So just punch in underrated movie podcast anywhere, and it will come up. Um, you can also find, like you mentioned, my writing on places like Watch Mojo, uh, on Film Threat. Um, but yeah, if you. However you're listening to this, uh, you can also listen to Underrated, uh, we're on all of the social medias as Underrated Movie Podcast, uh, I've been doing the show for uh, since 2019, uh, and um, so it's a lot of fun, I get to talk about movies that you know you wouldn't get to hear on other podcasts, You know, I'll never get to cover Wide, Eyes Wide Shut, because <laughs> uh, that's not an underrated movie, but I get to cover all kinds of fun stuff uh, over there.
0: Amazing, and Ali, how about you?
1: So I am a writer for Parade.com. I cover celebrity gossip, net worths. I recently covered like Bill Hader, Martin Short, and uh, Steve Martin. So if you're wondering who makes more on only murders in the building or who has a bigger net worth, really, because I think they make the same amount, or I know they make the same amount. But anyway, uh, you can find my writing there. You can find me on social media, on Instagram and uh, Threads at retentive, A-N-E-L-R-E-T-E-N-T-I-V-E. You can find me uh, on TikTok and YouTube where I post my little comedy videos and sketches at like Willie Nelson, spelled just like it sounds, like Willie Nelson. I'm not going to spell it out. And uh, you can find me on Blue Sky Social. Maybe I'll start using that more. I'm at Allie Nelson. So finally beat out the other Allie Nelsons for it. That's right. (laughs)
0: Nice. Amazing. And as always, you can find me at Tyler McCarthy328 on Threads. But if you're more interested in finding out what I'm working on, uh as always, I'm working across all the NBC Universal brands, so that's NBC Insider, USA Insider, Bravo, Sci-Fi Wire. Um working on a lot of cool stuff. Right now I'm in the midst of America's Got Talent Fantasy League. Check that out. And if you want some more, you can check out all the coverage I'm spearheading. Uh it's a lot of fun. So get on over there, and as always. Keep checking back here for more episodes of Not Couple Goals, as well as all of the great offerings on the Pop Break Network. Uh, And yeah, we'll see you next time.
1: Special thanks to Mallory Johns for our intro and outro music. And Alex
0: Marcus, our producer.